warning, Wicked Wanderers is not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome to Wicked Wanderers Podcast. I am your wicked hostess, Jacqueline, and you may be wondering what this podcast is all about. Each week we will travel to a different destination, and I will discuss a haunted place, some dark tourism, as well as some fun and unique things to do while we are there. So pack your bags. We're going to Georgia. Georgia is a state in the southern region of the United States bordered by Tennessee, North Carolina, and South Carolina. Georgia is a majestic state with waterfalls, mountains, and beaches. There is something there for everyone. Before we go to our first destination, here are some fun facts and weird laws from Georgia. Coca-Cola was invented in Atlanta, Georgia in 1886 by Dr. John Pemberton. Atlanta is home to famous rappers like Killer Mike, Waka Flocka, CeeLo Green, Childish Gambino, Gucci Man, Ludacris, and Outkast. Some pop and rock singers from Georgia are the attractive 80s women, the Changelings, Sean Mullins, the Black Crows, and the Indigo Girls. Georgia is the peanut state and has plenty of peanut statues erected throughout the state. You can find one in Ashburn and the other one in Plains. If you live in Quitman, Georgia, and own chickens, it's illegal for them to cross the road. Georgia insists on the chicken's safety. You cannot give another man a piggyback ride in Atlanta. Erotic dancing is not allowed on Sundays. Oh no, not the Lord's Day. You cannot hold a donkey in your bathtub. The real question is, is your bathtub big enough to hold a donkey? And just like in Tennessee, you cannot have an ice cream cone in your back pocket. I did a little bit of research, wondering what the fuck this was all about. And this is due to horse thieves. They would put an ice cream cone in their back pocket to lure the horses. You cannot whistle after 11 p.m. on Mondays. If you feel like taking your giraffe out to the city, you cannot tie your giraffe to a pole or a street lamp in Atlanta. It is illegal. You cannot wear a top hat in a movie theater. That makes a lot of sense, actually. And lastly, in Quitman, Georgia. Cars are not permitted to drive on the sidewalk. Well, that is really good to know. And now, on to our first destination. We are going to be traveling to Savannah, Georgia, to the Willenick House. This is located in Savannah's historic district. This Cape Cod-style home is now currently located on the northwest corner of Price and Julian Street. Frederick Willenick Sr. immigrated from Germany. He had big dreams, cash, and success. His son Henry Willenick Jr. was expected to accomplish the same. He started a very successful shipping business 
After five years of backbreaking work in the shipyard, he created ironclads for the Confederate Army in the Civil War, CSS Savannah and CSS Georgia. By 1860, Henry Jr. accumulated a small fortune and he owned five slaves, which is absolutely horrible. As his wealth grew, tragedy struck. One day, Henry had his wife accompany him to the shipyard, and after a small amount of time there, his wife misstepped and fell into the water. Unfortunately, she could not swim. Why would you go to a shipyard and be on the water if you cannot swim? Her dress weighed her down, and she drowned. After the death of his wife, Henry Jr. was inconsolable. His nights were restless, and he often spent his time pacing back and forth inside his home before deciding to return to the shipyard in the dead of night. He would put all his energy into working. One night, Henry made the same mistake as his wife. You would think he'd be more careful in the shipyards and design a better boat to avoid this happening. It is said when he was working on his boat, he saw the apparition of his dead wife. And in shock of seeing her, he took a step back and slipped overboard. Unlike his wife, he was rescued. Henry only stayed in the Willenick house for 10 years and then left. But he is one of the spirits that haunts this house. The current owners hear heavy footsteps heading to the front door. And neighbors and people passing by have heard the front door creak open and then slam shut. But there will be nobody leaving and nobody is seen. It seems like Henry is unable to leave the home that he shared for a short period of time with his wife. Or maybe simply that his ghost is unable to leave without her. But Henry is not the only ghost that haunts this home. After Henry left his home, it would become a secret school for African-American children. Times were different then, and this was before the Emancipation Proclamation. During this time in the South, people did not want enslaved people to be literate, worrying that they would become a threat to the institution of slavery, since many couldn't even read or write their own names. Slaves and freed slaves who congregated were viewed as extremely dangerous, fearing that they would share ideas and toss around revolts. It was illegal for African Americans, freed or enslaved, to gather in churches, parks, schools, or essentially anywhere in Georgia. The fact that the Willenick House was used to educate African American children is a crime. According to locals in Savannah, a white female teacher secretly had taken up the school. She would teach the children reading and math. It is said that she compelled them into learning by bribing them with sweets. That would work for me. Which, of course, the children delightfully snacked on. But that was only if they solved their problems correctly. Teaching by reward is a great way to get the kids to learn. Sadly, the teacher was caught. And she was given two choices, get arrested and accept fines for having such a school or leave Savannah forever. With a broken heart, she said goodbye to the children and she was never seen alive again. The teacher and the children haunt this house. The teacher enjoyed lighting candles and the scent of candles can be smelt throughout the house, though there are none 
wit. The owners say that they find sweets that appear in mathematical equations. And they also have sweets moved from the kitchen to various places throughout the home, but nobody has moved them. I just really hope that the children and the teacher that are still there are happy in their afterlife. I know times were different then, but especially in the South, it was extreme harsh for African American people. And absolutely nobody deserves to be treated like that and... It shouldn't have ever happened, and something like this should not happen to any human being. It was just awful, the things that happened in the South back then. Unfortunately, the Willenick house is privately owned, so you cannot go inside. But you can take a stroll by the house, and you may see Henry Willenick Jr. open the door and slam it shut. The house is located at 426 East St. Julian Street in Savannah's Historic District. I love Savannah. I've been there several times. It's filled with beautiful historic houses and so many things to do. So when in Savannah, I recommend the following. Go on a ghost tour. I personally like the later ones. All of them are great though. They have bar crawl tours, bike tours, and you can even take a trolley tour. For those of you who love animals and history, take the Oliver Bentley Historic Dog Walk War. I am a huge animal lover. I have two dogs and two cats currently. And Savannah has many dog-friendly places. It is a great way for you and your pup to experience Savannah. If you don't have a dog but you want your dog fixed for the day, that's fine. As they say, history isn't just for humans when you embark on a tour of tales. Go shopping. Savannah is filled with boutiques and shops. Even window shopping is a must. There is a tour called the Sip and Shop Savannah. The tour takes you to the different squares in Savannah, but also shows you some of the city's best boutiques. While doing your shopping, you're sipping on wine the entire time. Yes, it is legal to walk around and drink in Georgia. Cheers to that. The tour starts and finishes on two of Savannah's rooftop lounges. I'm an outdoor person and enjoy hiking and scenic walking trails. And Savannah has several different places to go for a hike or a walk. The Skidaway Island Park has four different trails with views of a tidal creek and salt flats. The Sandpiper Trail is one of the most popular trails there. There is also the Forsyth Park Savannah's oldest park spanning over 30 acres. There is a one-mile trail that is scenery-packed and shaded. The park provides a beautiful backdrop and a great trail for a leisurely stroll or to go for a walk with your dog in the city's adorned historic park. Food. Doesn't love delicious food. When in Savannah, make sure you try some shrimp and grits. There's so many places that serve shrimp and grits, but I recommend the Old Pink House. They're known for their famous shrimp and grits, and they're delicious. Fried chicken is also a must when you're in Savannah. I recommend trying chicken and waffles. I know that sounds weird, but oh my god, it is delicious. Trailer Park is known for their chicken and waffle. Guys, I love desserts, sweets, baked goods, chocolate, etc., so go to the Back in the Day Bakery. You will not regret this. 
Also, go buy sweet treats and get one of their famous prayer lamps. Make sure you stop by Goose Feathers Cafe. I love their bread pudding, but also make sure to try one of their famous whippy pies. And honestly, all the bakery and dessert places in Savannah are delicious. And finally, you cannot go to Savannah without going to the beach. There are over a hundred miles of coastline to explore in Georgia. Of course, there's the Tybee Island South Beaches. It's about 20 minutes away from Savannah. It is perfect for sunbathing, swimming, and surfing. It is a family-friendly beach. It does get very busy on the weekends, so parking can be challenging. If you try going during the weekday, it's best. But if you can't, make sure you leave early in the morning on the weekend so you can find a place to park. There is also the St. Simon's East Beach. It's about an hour away from Savannah, but worth the trip. The East Beach wraps around the southern coast. There are sandbars that you can walk on when it's low tide, and there are plenty of public access points, and it's also filled with shops and restaurants, so you don't have to go too far if you get hungry while you're at the beach. And now, for our final destination, let's get dark. We are going to the Mercer Williams House in Savannah. The Mercer Williams House is located at 429 Bull Street. The Mercer Williams home was designed by a New York architect, John S. Norris, for General Hugh W. Mercer, who was the great-grandfather of the famous songwriter Johnny Mercer. Its construction began in 1860 and was unfortunately interrupted by the Civil War in 1868. The home was finally completed after General Mercer moved and sold the unfinished structure to John R. Wilder. The Mercers never actually lived in the house. In Savannah, most of the historic homes use the name of the home's original family, in addition to the most prominent family that lived in the house. This house is absolutely beautiful. The house and carriage house were made using deep, rose-colored bricks called Philadelphia Red. The interior has a symmetrical shape with 15-foot ceiling-to-floor length windows. The entrance is a 60-foot hall that maintains all the original ceramic tile that was made in England. The home has its original moldings, windows, doorways, handrails, interior shutters, flooring, and an interior dome with stained glass that was fitted in 1868. The Mercer house has seen multiple owners, and after Wilder's death, the house stood vacant for many years. During that time the house was vacant, 11-year-old Tommy Dawn entered the abandoned house, allegedly to chase birds. Tommy then fell from either the roof or the second story. A fall like that would be deadly for a child, but Tommy's fall was much more tragic. Tommy landed on a wrought iron fence, despite top and paling his head. There have been rumors and suspicions on the claim that Tommy was looking for birds on the rooftop of this abandoned house. Many even wonder if Tommy was pushed or possibly thrown down to his gruesome death. Allegedly, one of Tommy's friends said he saw the whole thing and that it was as if something or someone pushed Tommy to his death. But Tommy was alone. Could some sort of unknown presence push Tommy? 
Does something evil reside in that house? Though there is no evidence to support that this tragedy was anything more than an accident, Tommy's sister does confirm that this fall did happen and has said that the story of her brother's death is indeed true. Quote, She recalled that the medics had to cut the spike off the fence and attempt to save her brother's life. She still remembers seeing the medics rush her brother off the hospital, despite knowing that it was already too late. I have a little brother, and I couldn't even imagine seeing my brother like that. Talk about some childhood trauma. And it's said that if you look closely at the fence, you can see the missing piece marking the spot where Tommy died. Tommy is one of the spirits seen in the house. People have encountered a ghost of a young boy and his tortured soul has been seen reenacting the final moments of his life in a loop of horror, forever falling off the house onto the iron spikes of the fence. That is some nightmare fuel. Tommy is not the only spirit that roams the house. In 1969, Jim Williams purchased the house and began renovating it. If you recognize his name, he is the subject of the book Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, which was picked up by Clint Eastwood and turned into a film. Williams did an amazing job preserving its home and restoring it back to its original beauty. He ran an antique store in the large carriage house, and during this time, it is said that he had a secret love affair with his assistant, a 21-year-old man named Danny Hansford. Danny Hansford was a former sex worker with a sketchy past. Their relationship was extremely toxic, and it finally ended with Hansford pointing a gun on Williams. According to the story provided by Williams, he was in the study while Hansford was in another room and Hansford then entered the study where he drew a gun on Williams. The gun jammed upon firing and Williams pulled a 9mm Luger pistol from his desk and shot Hansford in self-defense. To me, that seems kind of suspicious and convenient that you just had a gun, you know, exactly right where you would need it. But that's just my personal opinion, and I'm not a detective, so who knows. Williams would call the police at 3 a.m. to report the shooting a half an hour after it happened. Williams was charged with murder and was tried four times for this crime. During his first trial... Williams was convicted of murder and was sentenced to life in prison. Though it is speculated he was only convicted because he was a gay man, and during the time, being gay was not something that people accepted or embraced. His murder conviction was overturned due to conflicting police reports. During his third trial, they had a hung jury. In the fourth and final trial, Williams was found not guilty. Williams was a free man. Williams loved to throw parties and after returning home, he threw his last Christmas party. Just a month later on January 14th, 1990, Williams was found dead. The cause was pneumonia and heart failure. His body was reportedly found in the study in the same exact location where Hansford was originally shot. Prior to his death, it is said Williams 
would see Hansford's ghost and that he reached out to a voodoo practitioner to get rid of it. Many believe that the voodoo practitioner's cleansing did not work. And the ghost of Danny Hansford is what really killed Williams. Was this his final revenge? Years after the trials and Williams' death, Judge George Edward Oliver, who was the presiding judge over the trial, said, That son of a gun, Jim Williams, was guilty of cold-blooded murder. I don't blame him, though. That boy he shot was trouble with a capital T. The Mercer Williams home is now a museum and is owned by Williams' sister. Staff at the museum have seen Williams' apparition several times. He always appears fully, his entire body in ghostly form, and is usually seen walking up and down the hallways of the house. It is said that if you pass by Williams' house on Christmas at night when he would throw his lavish parties, you'll see the chandeliers light the whole house. With guests in the windows, as they move from room to room. Some claim to see women wearing their best gowns and men dressed to the nines as they enter the house. In the house, there are also sightings of apparitions, disembodied voices, unnerving feelings of being watched, and phantom footsteps. Unfortunately, William's sister will not discuss the haunting, and she will dismiss any question asked about it. So... Make sure you go by and check it out yourself. The William Mercer House is open Monday through Saturday between the hours of 10.30 to 4.10. That's such a random time. And Sundays between 12 and 4. If you have visited the Williams Mercer House or any places that I have mentioned today and had any experiences, I would love to hear about them. If you could email those to me at wicked wanderers podcast at gmail.com or if you've been to georgia and done any fun and unique things i'd love to hear about it please rate and review i would greatly appreciate five stars only you can also donate to the cause at patreon.com slash wicked wanderers i do write record and edit the podcast all by myself, which does take time and money, so any donation is greatly appreciated. You can also follow me on Instagram at wicked underscore wanderers podcast. Thank you guys for listening. I absolutely love you. And as always, wander more and stay wicked. (laughs) 